True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am your host, Justin Fraser. Very excited to be here for a follow-up. This is going to be the second episode of our Spotlight series on our 336-unit apartment complex in Winston-Salem. Last time we updated you on this project, we were in due diligence and we were just trying to find out everything there was to know about this property. Since then, it's been a few months. We actually closed on the deal just about one month ago, actually one month ago exactly, we closed on this property and there's been so, so much happening that I feel like I had to update all the listeners and viewers of True Multifamily and I wanna bring you along with me. Today specifically, we're gonna be speaking about a business plan because as you know, role of the asset manager, absolutely critical and executing the business plan. But how do we write a business plan? That's what I wanna talk about today because I don't know that I've ever heard many episodes, many, many people talking about writing a business plan and what goes into a business plan for a multifamily property. Of course, everyone wants to say, we're going to value add, we're going to renovate, and we're going to get way, way higher rents. I mean, that sounds great, but let's talk about all the details. Just to give you a point of reference, the business plan that I wrote for this property, not too long, about 12 pages, enough to get into the details that we need to get into, and that includes some charts and graphs and all that. Uh, but really covers enough that it sets us all up on the right foot. And that's really the goal of the business plan is to make sure that everyone that has been on the team up to the point of closing has their voice heard. So uh, maybe, you know, Matt might have a, a different opinion on where rents are going or, or a side conversation he had with the property manager during due diligence that I wasn't a part of, or maybe the underwriter, you know, put a plan together for how many units we're going to turn, how quickly, what rents we're going to be pushing. All of that has to come together in one cohesive place so that everyone on the team can be starting this project in the same, on the same foundation, the same footing. So uh, let's talk about each one of those steps and each one of those pieces of the business plan so that when you are writing your business plan for your next multifamily, you can include all, you can include some, some projects might be very different. Uh, but for me, this, for this project, um, this is our sixth apartment complex. And this really, this business plan, I was so proud of because it brought together all the different elements of what worked on all of our previous projects. And so um, just a little bit about the process to put this together. You know, I drafted, I started drafting this really like when we got under contract and uh, just in some, some notes, but, you know, I, I create a little uh, section of my one note notebook called, uh, you know, business plan. And every time we had a conversation about, okay, well, how many rent units are we going to turn or, you know, what are the key assumptions or, or things that, that are going into this plan, just start taking little notes on just how, when I, when I think about building this plan, how am I gonna run this project? What, what are the key considerations or what do I need to make sure the property managers know about when we get into it? And so just start building, you know, any sort of side things like things that you're gonna need to know about who's gonna be doing the construction management or 
when, how quickly do you need to take care of those, you know, those staircases you found in the, the due diligence or whatever it might be, just start, you know, sort of parking lotting all those ideas. And then you can sit down and, and start to put it together. And so the, the template that I used um, really evolved. And so now I feel like I have a pretty good template, but this is being our sixth project. Uh, it's evolved to this point. So let's start at the top. And, and I start with the property overview. And a lot of this is like maybe standard stuff, but let's, the, the, the way I write a business plan is um, I want to be able to hand this plan to anyone, property management company, uh, potential investor, current investor, um, team member, anyone really, and be able to say, this, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to take what's there and turn it into what we want to be to deliver the returns that we're projecting we can deliver. So we start at the very beginning. What is this property? What's the address? How many units are there? What types of units are there? How many of each of those types? What is the square footage? What is the count, right? So, so I've got you know, unit type A that's got one bedroom, one bathroom, that's 642 square feet. I've got nine of those, okay? And what am I currently getting? What is on the rent roll? What's the average rent that I'm getting for those units, right? And all the way down through every unit type. So we understand what size units you have, what the, how many of each of those you have, and what rents you're getting. Now, when you look at our business plan, you can really see we, we end up focusing a lot on the two bedrooms because out of 336 units, we have 327, 300 and sorry, 317 are uh, two bedroom, one bathroom units. So there's very, very few that are don't fall into that category. So we really just talk about the two bedroom, uh, one bathroom units. There are a few one bedrooms, there are a few three bedrooms, but most of them are in that two bedroom, one bathroom uh, count. And uh, our average rents or current rents that we're getting are $556. That's what the previous owner was getting. So that's sort of our baseline when we're thinking about how we're going to, to improve this property. We think, okay, two bedroom, one bath, and $559 is what they're currently getting. And then we base we base on that, knowing there's some ones and some threes, but but that's really the, the, the meat of what we're talking about. Uh, so then I do a little bit of a narrative. Okay, so now we've now we've talked about you know what just the, the general property information, but what is the narrative for what you're going to do to this property? Do you need a ton of capex? Is there a strong um, you know crime element that you have to get out of there? Is there a um, you know are there some very glaring capex issues that you have to take care of immediately? Um, and and just you know if it, it, this is the section where if you were telling a friend. Um, or, or potential investor, hey, this is what we're going to do to the property. And you're going to talk for maybe five minutes about it. Yeah. This is the, I want you to write that down, right? So, so write down the approach to this property. In mine, we talk about on this latest project, uh, which, which is what I'm talking to you about right now, we talk about the perception and the tenant shift. So, so it's, we start off by saying, look, we're purchasing this on October 9th. We've hired uh, our property management company. Their name is Carlisle. They're going to be the property manager, and we're going to work together to implement the following plan. So number one is the perception and tenant shift at the property. So we need to shift the current base of tenants that's there who are paying way less than market and um, who probably are not what we would consider a desirable tenant. So we have to shift those tenants out of there, and we have to overall change the overall perception of the property so that new tenants that want to pay $200 more, $190 rent bump on that two-bedroom unit want to live there and want to be a part of this community. So how do we do that? We have to shift the perception. So uh, we, we write down things like 
our plans for how we're going to do that. And really, it comes down to taking care of work orders, taking care of safety issues, and starting to show the tenants that we care about them and we care about their property. One of the first things we did when we took over, we trimmed back a whole bunch of trees that were, were unsightly, but also blocking uh, a lot of lights. And we came in and we replaced every single wall pack on the outside of the light uh, buildings. And we replaced all the street lights with high uh, brightness LED lighting. And we also replaced or improved every uh, light fixture outside of every front door. So if it was working fine, but if it was missing, it's got a new bulb in there. These are things that are very little, but they, they cause a big perception of the property. Now, instead of the perception being that, oh yeah, that's a, it's a dark property where maybe some shady stuff happens. No, this place is lit up. You can play football out there in the middle of the night, right? It's super bright. All that goes to changing the perception. Uh, we also need to focus on maintenance, right? Our previous tenants, the, maybe we're not having work orders taken care of as quickly as they would like. Maybe not at all. Who knows? Um, we know a little bit from, from some of the work order history, but we have an idea that the work orders that are logged in that system are not exactly the work orders that we're going to end up having to take care of. There's going to be a big, big backlog because think about it from the tenant's perspective. Once they see that you're starting to, to fix things, they're going to start hitting you with a lot more work orders and, and a lot more work to be done. So uh, we come in, we start taking care of the tenants by taking care of their work orders, taking care of the things. We actually hired on an extra maintenance guy for the whole first year, just so that we can take care of knowing there's going to be a backlog of work orders and knowing that our number one priority, literally the first thing on the business plan is to shift the perception of the property. And we do that by taking care of the work orders and making it a safe place to live. Then I get into a narrative about the next phase of the project, which is about our amenity package, which I know we're gonna have a whole nother episode on because the amenities of the property are gonna be exciting. But what it really summarizes to be is we're giving the tenants a better quality community. We're giving them places to hang out and play and, and interact with other people and make it feel like home for them. So we're investing in that. It's not a direct return on ROI, not a direct return on your dollars, but it does impact how long a tenant wants to stay and the quality of tenant that you can attract to the property. Uh, we then talk about shifting the tenant base, right? And we need to shift the tenants to be tenants that pay on time. The best tenants pay on time, are upstanding members of the community and uh, our tenants that we can enjoy having at the property. So we get into some plans for that. Um, and then eventually we're gonna rebrand. Now you notice up to this point, I'm on page three of my, my business plan. I have not talked about unit renovations. Now we can get into it. Unit renovations is um, on this property, kitchens and bathrooms. That's really our plan. We're focusing on the high traffic areas that people say, wow, um, flooring in these units, hardwood or tile, they're already great. They're already big, spacious units. There's a lot of really good things happening here, but what's not happening, kitchens and bathrooms definitely need, need some updating. We should be in right around $5,000. And by the way, this business plan details item by item, the, the materials and the labor and the, all the bids that we got during due diligence are in this. So we know exactly what to expect per unit for our construction spend. We didn't talk about timeline, right? We, we, we nailed down the scope and cost. And now we got to talk about timeline. How many units? This property, our business plan is to renovate all pro units within three years. That means I have to do 112 units per year, which is two per week. So I know in the beginning, I'm not going to be two a week. It might be, take me two months to get to the first two. But once the scope is nailed down, the contractors are tight, and we have our process in place with the property manager, we're going to be able to start scaling up uh, very quickly. And we'll probably have some months where we do 10 uh, or more. But uh, moving moving through, 
two a week is going to have to be our consistent overturn. And so now I know that. Now I know I've got to have two coming coming due every single week. And that allows me to keep driving and keep driving. Uh, next phase, we get into the current property status. So how occupied is the property? What's the pre-lease? You know, what is the current manager saying about crime or condition of the property or physical issues, um, safety issues, any of that? What's the economic occupancy? What's the delinquency? All that stuff, you want to get a picture of the, the current health uh, of the property. Next thing I do is I take, um, I, ha I have a few columns uh, chart here. And the first thing I do is I look at, it's an income statement, okay? Money coming in and money going out, income and expenses. And I look at the latest month. I look at the, the T12, I look at the latest month. So when I did this, did this it was um, uh, August numbers. And I was looking at August numbers uh, annualized compared to our underwriting for year one. Okay, so now I'm looking at how much money is this property bringing in if I were to just take the latest month I had, multiply it by 12 versus what I'm planning to bring in in that first first year. And so that gives me some narrative and some idea on the gap in, in both the income side and the expense side for um, what I have to do. And, and it just takes something that's very, could be nebulous or you look at you know a 12, year, 12 month uh, plan for the underwriting and it can be confusing or you know you figure you'll catch it up later in the year this allows me very concretely to say okay this is exactly where the property is right now in the latest month and here's what i need to get to for my average for the first year now let's talk about steps to get there right and so there's a whole sheet here we talk about improving vacancy increasing our gross potential rent and and how we're going to do that and that allows me to say okay yeah so my my potential rent is here it has to grow to this number and i do that by doing my renovation plan right and so we have to have a how and why for each each item right so uh, in my underwriting um i was expect i'm expecting now to get uh higher utility reimbursement than I did if I annualized the August numbers. How do I get that higher utility reimbursement? How do I make plans for that? So I know that on average to hit my, my underwriting number, I have to collect an extra $2,600 a month over what the property did in August. It just helps me know every single month what I have to be doing and build a plan to how to get there line by line by line, right? So uh, there's some some things that you know are, are great, uh, other line items I've really got to got to get to work on. So an example of a win here in our underwriting, we have a washer dryer rental line. And in our underwriting, we underwrote to um, $22,000 a year in income coming in. If I just take the August annualized number, I'm already bringing in $34,000. So I'm already up by $12,000 on that. So that's great. I want to continue that. That's something I want to keep emphasizing. And that helps me make up for maybe some of the economic losses that, that I might have elsewhere on the P&L. But again, it's just line by line by line, looking at income and expenses and how to get from what the property is doing to where the expenses are going to be. Next section of the business plan, we talk about property management. Who is your property manager? What are they going to do? What does the staff look like on our property? We have three inside and four outside. What that means is three people in the office, site manager, two assistants, four outside, four maintenance techs, one lead and three supports on that. We also have a regional manager provided by the property management company that is not on our payroll, but does oversee a lot of the, the work for us. And then of course have our rent targets. What is the rent that we want to hit? So it's the same chart from earlier for what we're getting. Now, what do we want to get? What is our goal rent uh, for each of these line items? And when do we want to get them? We get into construction management. We talk about the scope of work in a very detailed way. We talk about who's doing construction management at the property. What are they doing for that? 
who's doing construction management on the ownership level, which is me, the asset manager. So what are my responsibilities um, and, and who is involved from, from my team? Uh, we include a section on lender required repairs. Lender required repairs is anything that the, your lender looks at the property when they do their inspection and say, yeah, this has to be taken care of right away. And so we go in and we set aside money for, for certain things. Here, there was some staircase repairs, some ADA parking they needed, and some vertical cracks uh, in the brick they needed us to look at. All of those are already underway. I then put together a Gantt chart for our project plan for our renovations and the full CapEx list. So on the CapEx list looks like uh, it's an Excel chart. First column is the description of, of what we're doing, how many, each item costs and what our total budget is. And then we sort of categorize it by interiors, uh, site work, exteriors, um, and uh, then of course, contingency and um, any fees uh, beyond that. Next thing I do is a, a timeline of key milestones. And I know I'm running through a lot of this for you guys, but um, hopefully you're, you're catching up. And if you have any questions, of course, please leave us a, a comment on truemultifamily.show. I would love to uh, answer it for you and show you some. I can't show you everything because it's, it's proprietary and it's, you know, it's specific to our property, but I can show you a bit uh, about what we have going on. The next section is timeline of key milestones. So as I wrote this plan before closing, I had a list of things that we needed to do before closing, like have the property manager reach out to the local police department so we can start building a relationship there, getting an audit, light audit from the energy company so we know what we could do with the lighting, making very specific plans with contractors for, for the scope of work, uh, making plans around evictions. We're in a time of COVID right now, so evictions are, are very tough. So making plans for everything top to bottom before you even close. And then I have a you know month one, month two, month three plan and, and what the things we want to implement, both from our CapEx side, from an operational side, what are the key things we need to take care of each of those months? And then we get into you know the second six months, the first year and the first 18 months, and we sort of go every six months, key initiatives, you know, how many units are we renovating per month? Uh, when are we doing a rebranding, our new signage, things like that. So it's all sort of built out on a, um, on a bigger scale schedule. So we know, so everyone knows where we're headed in the bigger picture. And of course, a lot of this is going to change. Just because I write that we're going to rebrand in month nine, uh, maybe we decide to do it in month six or maybe it's month 12, but at least it's on paper and we're working towards the same goals and we understand um, what we're working towards. Just a few more sections here in the business plan. Um, any underwriting assumptions? So any, if you did the underwriting, if you have an underwriter, what are they assuming? Uh, in our case, you know, what is the market rent growth that they're assuming? When are they planning to refinance? What is the splits? Is there a waterfall? What are the yield, yield maintenance? Um, any lender uh, issues or, or covenants or, or debt yield ratios we have to hit? All of that needs to go into the business plan so that you and everyone is aware of, of what's happening. Uh, next section is investor relations. So how are we communicating with investors? How are they getting distributions? We have multiple share classes on this. So who's getting uh, what payments, what returns, when, when is the first payment scheduled to go out? I know you just closed on the property. You got to already think when is the first payment going out? We have to make these plans ahead of time so that everybody knows the process. How are they getting the reports uh, is, is one of the last sections as well. Finally, I, I leave a section at the end sort of, sort of like notes and thoughts. And, and a lot of that becomes, you know, potential uh, revenue increases or expense reduction opportunities. So on my list, I have a bunch of things that we might be able to do in the future. The ideas that were kicked around during due diligence or through side conversations that we haven't necessarily put a dollar amount to or put into the business plan yet, but might be something we want to look at in the future. 
So this could be like extra storage space, turn, you know, converting space into storage, could be um, renovating extra space into, you know, commercial units. We're trying to increase our laundry appliance rentals. Um, maybe we could put a cell tower on the property, um, all, all sorts of things like that, you know, just other ways to create income. And so sort of as it comes up and you say, hey, that's a good idea, we should remember that, put it on the business plan, put it there so that you can remember it later on. Um, and that's really it. That's, that's my uh, 12, 13 pages of, of business plan here. And uh, that's, that really gives me a way to communicate with my team, communicate with our partners. So everyone knows what direction we're headed. And by the way, when we took over this property and I handed this plan to my property manager, she said, oh my God, thank you so much. Because now she knows what's in our head. She knows what uh, key milestones we have to hit. She knows when we want to, to move, how we want to move, um, the scope of work. I mean, we have separate conversations about all that, but if there's ever a question, it's great to go back, refer to the business plan, and it's all right there, written down, and we can start from there. So we'll update this. We'll probably up this, update this monthly as we go, but at the very least, we're starting on the same page. So listen, true multifamily listeners, that's what I have to say about writing a business plan for your multifamily project. If you have sections that you think I forgot or I missed, please leave me a comment. Let me know what else we need to include. If you have questions about any of this, let me know. I'd love to hear from you guys. In the meantime, thank you for listening on the Spotlight Series. There will be more. There'll be a lot more on the Spotlight Series coming up on this 336 unit in Winston-Salem. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.